Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Hi, everyone. I'm Gloria, and I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is February 9th, 1991, and that is truly a miracle. Um, I would like to thank Earl for asking me to speak, and I would like to thank Debbie for introducing me. And um, my story starts out just pretty typical. Actually, I was born in a typical, everyday, run-of-the-mill alcoholic family. My father was an alcoholic, and my mother was an Al-Anon. And... Um, I think any of you that grew up in alcoholics' homes, my story isn't any different than anybody else's. I mean, um, my parents, they partied, they played, they argued, they fought, they made up. They partied, they played, they argued, they fought, they made up. And, you know, the big book says that for us, the abnormal becomes normal. And that was normal for me. That was normal. I mean, I would see my parents you know, laughing and having a good time, and the next minute, you know, they were separated. And my dad would be gone for, you know, weeks, months, whatever, and my mother would file for divorce, and within a month or two, then he'd be back, and we were just this wonderful, happy little family again, you know, and that's just the way it worked for me. And that was my life. I didn't know that there was anything unusual about that. But I do have to say that because of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, I know today that my parents did the very best that they could. And not only did they do the best they could, they gave me the very best they had to give. I mean, back then, I didn't even know about alcoholism. I had no idea. I thought that alcoholics, you know, lived under a bridge or... uh you know, lived in Skid Row, and I didn't know about it being a disease, you know, I I didn't know that it was a disease, that my dad couldn't help it, that once he started drinking, that he couldn't stop, and um, I'm real grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous, because I've gotten a lot of information, and um, it's just changed my life. Um, My first drunk when I was, was when I was um, a sophomore in high school, and I got drunk, imagine that, and I passed out. And um, it's it's really funny because I thought I was so special and unique. I got drunk from vodka in my parents' liquor cabinet. And I thought I was so smart because I filled the bottle back up with water so they wouldn't know I was drinking. And then I got here and I found out, oh, you did that too, you know? <laughs> so I did. And then I didn't drink. You know, I got real drunk. I passed out. I told my mother I had the flu. And, of course, she was a great little Al-Anon, and she believed me. And she fixed me chicken soup and covered me up. And I'd get up and throw up. And she felt sorry for me. So that was great, you know. And uh, I really didn't drink again for a long time. I really did not drink until I got married. And remember, I told you my parents partied, they played, they argued, they fought, they made up. Well, guess what I did? I got married, and I partied, I played, I argued, I fought, and I made up. And I did this over and over again, just like my parents did. Just like my parents did. But again, that was normal for me. 
you know, that, 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 I didn't know that that was unusual. And I remember being at certain functions or being with my kids and seeing other families, you know, and the husband would have his arm around his wife or he'd pat his wife on the leg or whatever, you know, and I thought, oh, you know, it would be so nice to have that kind of relationship. And that's just not what I had. I mean, um, I know that you're not supposed to make, that. well, the big book teaches us not to label someone alcoholic, that that's a decision that each individual has to make. But I've heard it said that if you walk like a duck and talk like a duck, you're probably a duck. And my ex-husband certainly quacked. He's, he's not as privileged as we are to be in this program. And he, he does drink quite heavy. But I'm telling you, we would go round and round. As a matter of fact, he kind of had a little joke going that I knew every judge and lawyer in Dallas, Texas personally because every time I'd get mad, I'd go file for divorce. And that's exactly the truth. And then we'd kiss and make up and everything was just fine and we'd sweep it under the rug and, you know, we'd go on for a couple more years. And then every three or four years, you know, we'd get mad at each other and have a fight and he'd leave and I'd file for divorce. And he was never gone more than two weeks, though. After two weeks, he'd come back and I was ready for him to come back and we'd start all over again. And then another thing... Um, after about five years of marriage, then we started having three little alcoholics of our own. And they started growing up. And um, I thought, you know, I thought, I thought everything's going to be different now. Everything's going to be different because now we have a baby. And we loved her so much. And not just me. Her father loved her, too. Her father loved her, too. And we wanted things to be different. You know, I wanted things to be different. You know, it was like we did, we had all this, this garbage from before we had children. And when we got married, I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to be different for my daughter. I didn't want her to hear her dad and I screaming and yelling at each other and throwing things and him walking out the door, slamming the door behind him. I really wanted it to be different. But, you know, I just didn't know how to do it different. I really didn't. I didn't know how to do it any different till I got here and you people taught me. And um, then we had two more children, and we were real involved um, in their little lives, you know. I mean, I was probably the only alcoholic, drug addict mother that was president of the PTA. And <laughs> I just hated those meetings. I really did. I couldn't wait to get out to my car and have a drink. <laughs> those women got on my nerves so bad, but I felt like it was the thing to do, you know, because I wanted to be a good mom. I really, I mean, I loved my kids just as I know all of you did. And I wanted to be such a good mom, but, you know, I just didn't have the tools to do it. I just, you know, I, I just wasn't able to do it. And um, I tried everything. I tried everything. Um, I, I started going to church, and I don't regret that. I do not regret that. As a matter of fact, I have to say, I remember when I was a young girl, um, my mother would take me and my brother to Sunday school in the morning and drop us off, and then she'd come back and pick us up. And I'm, I was so grateful. I'm so grateful today that she did that because the higher, higher power that I have in my life today is the same higher power 
that I had when I was a youth. And um, I know the big book says that those of us that do have a higher power when we come into the program, we're just one step ahead of everyone else. And, you know, one step is not very much. And that certainly proved to be true in my life. Um, but I did have a higher power, and I would do the same thing with my kids. You know, I started taking them to church, and I don't regret that either. I do not regret that, but then I would come home and get drunk, you know, because that's what we do. That's what alcoholics do. We drink. And um, I remember um, saying, I'm not going to do it again, you know, or I'm not going to drink as much, or... I'm only going to do it on weekends. And, you know, I just couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I remember looking at my children. I remember looking at them right in the eye and saying, I promise I'm never going to do it again. And I meant it. I really meant it. And then by 4 o'clock, I had no choice. You know, I had no choice. And I remember... I remember very clearly that moment of clarity that the big book talks about where I knew I couldn't quit. I, I knew that I absolutely could not quit. And it happened to be about a year before I got sober. And um, that's exactly what it was. It was one moment. It was one moment. And then it went away. It just went away. And the day I got my desire chip, the day I actually went to an AA meeting and got my desire chip, I still had a thought in my mind that the only reason I drank was because of this horrible, awful marriage that I was in, that it was really my ex-husband that was an alcoholic. It really wasn't me. But, you know, AA was the last house on the block for me. There was nothing left for me to do. My life was just falling apart. It was just absolutely falling apart. And I believe that it, that it wasn't only physically falling apart. I mentally and, of course, spiritually was falling apart. And um, I had two children that were, we call them treatment centers today, but they're really mental institutions. I had two in mental institution. And my son, he was, um, he'd come home from school and go right upstairs and lock himself in his bedroom and I wouldn't see him again till the next morning when it was time to go to school. And uh, one of my children attempted suicide. Another one of my children was, um, she was a real, real sick bulimic. And she was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker. I was just watching her just die right before my eyes. Um, I was in therapy. And that's really important. See, because I thought I was too good for you people. You know, and I didn't want you to know that I had any problems. You know, I wore this mask, and uh, the mask was, I was Donna Reed, you know. And my kids were, you know, these perfect little kids, and everything was, you know, both my daughters were cheerleaders. They were vice president of their class. Uh, my son was a star football player. You know, we just had a, I was PTA president. I mean, you know, I just had this mask that I wore. And I had to go to therapy because I couldn't be honest with you people. You know, the big book says that there are those of that, us that are incapable of honesty. I want you to know I was sober in Alcoholics Anonymous for over a year before I realized that I was that person, that I was incapable of being honest with myself. 
But anyway, I, I had all this stuff going on. My my husband and I were ex-husband and I were separated. I had two daughters in mental institutions. One was just dying from starvation. The other had tried to commit suicide, and my husband, my son, was locked up in his bedroom because he didn't want to be with any of us. You know, he didn't want to be around any of us. So um, any of you that have gone to treatment, you know there's that infamous family week that the whole family goes in. And uh, I knew several people that had been to treatment, and they had talked about the family week. And... Um, I was really dreading that phone call from my daughter. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And uh, she called me one day and she said, Mom, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, honey, I'll be right there. So I went up to the treatment center and um, she was in this little room all by herself with her therapist. And she said, um, she, she said, Mom, I have something to tell you. And she told me. And, um, she, you know, she doesn't mind me sharing this. That's why I am sharing it. She told me that she'd had a very traumatic thing happen to her about a year and a half prior to that. And that she didn't think that I loved her because I didn't notice that anything was wrong with her. And, you know, being the alcoholic that I am, I didn't say to her, Honey, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you, but I want you to know I'm here now. I didn't say that to her. It's what I said was, was I drinking and using at the time? And she said yes. And at that moment, I knew that I had to look at me. I knew that it wasn't just about their dad. It was about me. So um, I called a friend of mine. I was in Al-Anon at the time. I'd been in Al-Anon for two and a half years just screaming and yelling that <laughs> Jeff was an alcoholic. <laughs> and so I called a friend of mine in Al-Anon, and I told her my situation. And she said, do you want to go to a meeting tonight and get a chip? And I said, yes, I do. Because, I, you know, I knew I couldn't quit. I knew I couldn't quit. I knew that because I'd been trying. I had really been trying, and I just couldn't. So she and her husband came and picked me up, and um, they took me to an AA meeting. And at the end of the meeting, at the place that I got sober in Houston, they gave out chips every single night, every single meeting. And um, they would do that at the end of the meeting. And so um, they asked if anybody, you know, wanted a desire chip. And so I went up, and I got one. And I went back and sat down, and, and my friend Nancy and Andy, they took me home. And I remember, you know, just sitting in the back seat, you know, just skipping and dancing, you know, this is no big deal, and, you know, this is just going to be a piece of cake. And Andy, the alcoholic, asked if he could come in, if he and his wife could come in for a cup of coffee after the meeting. And I said, yeah, come on in, you know, yeah, let's celebrate. I got a chip, you know. And I'll never... I'll, I will never forget this. He looked me right in the eye. I mean, just straight, straight in the eye. And he said, you know, Gloria, he said, that chip means 90 meetings in 90 days and get a sponsor. And again, you know, for just a second there, I had another moment of clarity. And I thought, if I don't do what he's telling me to do, I'm going to drink again. And I knew that. 
I knew that. So the next day, um, I called a lady that I knew that was in the program, and I asked her if she would be my temporary sponsor, and she said yes, that she would. And I started doing 90 meetings in 90 days, and um, I found I found my sponsor. But she, she fired me because I moved, and she said that we could be friends, but that I had to find a sponsor in Oklahoma City because when I got in trouble, the women in Alcoholics Anonymous, they needed to know me so that they could help me, and that she was too far away. But I got to tell you about this woman. I tell you, I love her so much. I love her so when I think about her, I want to cry because I love her so much. And it was the meanest woman God ever created. <laughs> I'm telling you. And and the meaner she was, the more I loved her because she gave me truth. You know, she gave me truth, and she wouldn't let me get by with anything. Um, when I came into the program, I was just the biggest victim in the world. As a matter of fact, I have to tell you, I still have this heart's desire to be a victim. You know, it's not my fault kind of thing. But she never let me get by with that. She never did. And she really taught me the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. We started with step one, and we did step two. And I remember uh, her really pointing out insanity, and she explained to me that insanity was doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Uh, she just gave me real clear direction, real clear direction. Um, I would call her, and I, you know, it's brand new sober. I was like three, three days, three weeks, three months sober. And um, I'd call her, and I'd just be crazy, you know, just crazy. And uh, she'd say, go clean your closet. And I'd think, what does cleaning my closet have to do with this? But it had everything to do with sanity. And see, I didn't know that. When I was cleaning out my closet, I wasn't thinking about all the stuff that was going on in my life. I wasn't thinking me, 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 I, I, I. I was thinking about what I was doing in my closet. Or she'd say, go clean your stove. And, you know, again, I think that is just the dumbest thing. But I'd get in there cleaning my stove, and by the time my stove was clean, my problems just weren't nearly like they were. You know, it just it just was nothing. And then it came time to do my amends. I, did, I also did my fifth step with her, which, I mean, I'm so grateful for that. Um, because then when I would call her, she would say, Now, Gloria, that was in your fifth step. You know, that's over. You don't do that stuff anymore. And she would point things out to me. And I, I mean, it was just, I was just so grateful for that. So grateful for that. Um, it got time to do my amends. And she wanted me to do my amends to my children, the first. And so I brought them all in the living room, just like she told me to do. And I said exactly what she told me to say. I said, um, I know I haven't always been there for you. And no, I said, I'm sorry for anything I've done to hurt you. I know I haven't always been there for you, but I want you to know I'm here now. And my kids are real close in the same age. Right now, they're 22, they're 23, 24, and 25. And my oldest daughter has always kind of been the oldest and the spokesman and everything. So anyway, I make my amends to him and she speaks for a brother and sister and she goes, 
So what? We needed you then, and we don't need you now. And I mean, my heart was broke. It was absolutely broke. And so I called my sponsor, and she said, well, Gloria, she said, now you get to learn about living amends. And, you know, she taught me that I had to do, I had to do what I said I was going to do. I wasn't always there for him because I'm a, I was off drunk. But I had to be available for them now. And I only had a year left before my oldest daughter left for college. So I only had one year with her and two with my middle daughter and three with my son. And, um, you know, it was real rocky times because they were used to a drunk mom. You know, they were used to a mom that was unavailable for them. I was physically, mentally, and spiritually unavailable for them. And now I wanted to be there for them. And, I, you know, I want to say, you know, I did stuff for them. You know, I did stuff for them, like I was president of the PTA and president of the mom's cheerleader. But, you know, I wasn't with them. I just did stuff for them. And that needed to change. That needed to change. And... um Another story I want to tell you that's really important. It's it's just it's such a miracle. It is such a miracle st- story. I was sober less than a year, and I went to the Spirit of Houston conference with my sponsor, and uh, we went one afternoon to hear the afternoon speaker, and there was a lady up um, telling her story, Sheila A. from Norman. And, you know, I was so new, sober, I didn't hear a word she was saying. I didn't hear anything she said, but I remember she said that she lived in Norman, Oklahoma. That's all I remember. Well, my oldest daughter, we lived in Houston, but she was going to Norman to college. And so I went up to Sheila, and I told her my name, and I said, you know, my daughter is going to be in Norman next year, and I just think that she might need you. So this lady gave me her name and her phone number and how to get a hold of her. I want you to know that in January, well, no, let me back up here. My daughter did leave. She went to school. It was about eight months later. And she called, and she did, it it was really the first time she really started drinking was when she was in college. And she, she just went down really, really quick. And she called me about eight months after she'd been in college. And she was crying and upset, you know, and she'd been drunk the night before and she'd done things that she wasn't proud of, you know, like we all do. And she was crying and upset. And, you know, I'm her mom, but I can't, I can't do anything about it. I'm in Houston. She's in Norman. So I make her get the phone book and we look up Nails by Sheila and there's the phone number. I said, you call her, Devery, and then you call me right back. And so my daughter did call her. And that lady agreed to meet her at a meeting that night. And my daughter will now celebrate. That woman is her sponsor today. And she will celebrate three years of sobriety January 2nd. And that's just a miracle. You know, that's just a miracle of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's just one of the, the many things that this program has done for me. Um, after about 28 years of marriage, my husband and I finally divorced. And, I mean, we partied, we played, we argued, we fought, and this time we didn't make up. And that was one of the hardest things in the world for me. 
that was so difficult for me because I had been married over half my life to the same person, and it was so difficult to make that transition. And I just did what you people taught me to do. You know, I just threw myself into Alcoholics Anonymous, and I started working with others. And I would go to the Western Club at 8 o'clock on Tuesday night to the Beginners and Slippers meeting, and I'd meet these new women, and I'd say, My name is Gloria. Do you have a sponsor? And they'd say no. And I'd say, Well, I'll be your sponsor. And I just started working with them right away. And it, it was so great because I could get out of my own head. You know, I could get out of my own head. And it was so funny. I had a sponsor at the time, but, you know, I had the sponsor that I got sober with in Houston. And I called her, and I told her, I said, oh, I was crying, you know, and I said, oh, now, you know, Jeff left me, and he's gone. And she goes, oh, well, Gloria, you never really did like him that much anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, I did my fifth step with her. And I just started laughing, because she was right, you know, she was really right. And and then I went back to Houston to visit her probably about four or five months later. And as it turned out, my husband was involved with someone that I knew. And so I was kind of upset about that. And um, anyway, I stayed with Nell, and, and we talked. And, and I told her, I remember when she picked me up from the airport, I said, you know, Nell, I said, you know, this resentment that I have is, it's just kicking my butt. You know, I just hate these two so bad. I just hate them. And she said, well, Gloria, she said, um, you know, the big book says that resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. She said, you can either be right or you can be free. And she turned to page 552 in the big book and she said, if you know, we read it. It says if you have a resentment that you want to get rid of, that you pray for these people. You pray for their health, their happiness, and their prosperity. And she said you do that for every day for two weeks. And then she said, not only did I have to pray for both of them, I had to pray that they would be happy together. And you know, the reason I'm telling you this is because it worked. It really, really worked. Now, I will say it took longer than two weeks, (laughs) but it did work. It really did. And, um, you know, it's it's really neat because um, my ex-husband and I are divorced, but we still have three kids. You know, we still have three kids, and we're able to talk about them. We're able to talk about things for them. Um, My oldest daughter got married about uh, a year and a half ago, and her dad, you know, just gave her the nicest wedding. The reception was at my house, and he called me, and he said, Now, Gloria, you know, I really want you to get involved in this, and, I, you know, I want you to really, you know, I want it to be really nice for her. And, and you know, it was great. It really was. It was really great. Um, I just, I just can't imagine not being sober today. You know, the gifts of this program are so great and they're so bountiful. Um, When, you know, I want to remind you of when I made amends to my children and they, my oldest daughter said, well, you know, we needed you then and we don't need you now. Um, I knew that wasn't true. I knew that they were going to need me. I knew that. And I just, you know, had to be the mom. You know, that's what my sponsor said. I had to be the mom. I had to act like a mom and let them be the kids. 
And then when their dad and I did separate right before we divorced, I mean, my children, they just rallied around me. You know, they just rallied around me. They knew that I was real sad and that I was real upset. And I mean, they, they just, they just came in and my son, um, I, he just wouldn't leave me alone. He was just there constantly for me. And my youngest daughter, she called and she said, I was talking to her, and I said, you know, Demery, I just feel so sorry for J.K. because he's just here all the time, and I'm so sad and feeling bad, you know. And she said, well, maybe maybe he can come and stay with me for the weekend. I said, that would be great. Well, she called him and said, J.K., I know Mom's, you know, not feeling real good. Why don't you come and stay with me for the weekend just to get away? And he said, oh, no, Demery. He said, I can't go. Mom really needs me right now. And she said, well, you know, actually, J.K., she was the one that suggested it. And he said, oh, no. He said, she doesn't really mean that. She really needs me right now. And that's just a pro, you know, that that's just the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. When you give, you're going to get back. And as much as those kids were angry with me, you know, they loved me and they forgave me. And I learned from you people to do what I said I was going to do. I told him that I was sorry and that I was going to be available for them. And, and I was. And they trusted me. You know, they really trusted me to do what I said. And um, it's just been one wonderful thing after another. Uh, when my daughter got married sh- shortly after, she had a baby. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what alcoholics do. They have babies, then they get married, you know. And that's what she did. But, you know, it didn't matter to any of us. It didn't matter. And we have the most wonderful little grandbaby now, you know, and, and we just adore that child. We just absolutely adore her. And... um the kids come home on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and at night we sit around the table and we play poker and we laugh and we have a great time. And, you know, it was just never like that before. Our life was just never like that before. Um, a lot of my story has to do with my children because that's what God healed the most is my family. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. I mean, I just love those kids so much. And sometimes, you know, I I think back on some of the things that I did when I was out there drinking and acting like a fool, you know. And I remember my sponsor saying, that was then, this is now. You know, you don't have to do those things today. And that's what Alcoholics Anonymous has done. It's given me a chance to do my life differently, to do it over. I mean... I never knew how to do things differently. I wanted things to be different, but I didn't know how to do it different. And today I do because of you people. Um, I have the most wonderful friends. I have a group of women that I meet every Saturday morning. We meet at 9.30 at the Red Cup right off Classen in Oklahoma City, and we sit and we have coffee and, you know, talk and have a great time, and then we go to 11 o'clock women's meeting. A lot of times we go out to lunch after that, or everybody does. I mean, you just choose if you want to do that. And it's just great. It's just great. I've just got the closest, most intimate friends that I've ever had in my life, you know, and I just... I had absolutely no idea that life could be so good. It just, you know, I had no idea. When I first got sober, it's like I'd wake up and I'd take a shower and I'd get dressed and I'd go, 
well, now what am I going to do? You know, because I didn't know what to do unless I was drunk, unless I was drinking, or unless I was using. And life is just so good right now. It's just so good. Um, I have to tell you this story about, uh, well, actually it was April 15th on um, income tax day. Um, I took over our family business. And um, my ex-husband and I were independent oil and gas producers, so there was a lot of technical stuff to do. And um, I took it over, and things just went from bad to worse. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And um, this lady, this bookkeeper that I had, she kept all of our records. She kept every single one of our records. So I had absolutely no idea how to disperse all this money. I mean, all this money was coming in. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I had no way to disperse it because I didn't know who needed the money and I didn't know how much to give them. And I remember um, one day I was out in my yard just to keep from going crazy, you know, and I started praying. And I said, God, you know, I need a way to disperse all this money. I need, and by the way, the judge had told me to do that. He'd given me 10 days to do it. 10 days to get all this money out. So I'm working in my yard and I'm just praying. And um, the next day I talked to a friend of mine. And um, he says, well, I haven't seen you around, Gloria. What have you been doing? And I just started telling him my dilemma. And he said, well... You know, this other friend of ours, that's what she does. And I went, oh, yeah, okay, uh uh-huh, yeah. Well, she called me. She called me the next day, and I told her my dilemma, and she said, well, Gloria, she said, I can help you do that. She said, I have 20 years of experience with that. She said, can I help you? And I said, oh, yes, you can. And we did it. That lady sitting right over there, I'm telling you, that woman is an angel in my life. We did it, didn't we, Kay? Then we went to my lawyer, and he said, can you do it in three days? (laughs) And we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we kind of laugh when we're in our office. We say, you know, we're two abused women. They say, can you do that? And we go, yeah, we could do it, yeah. But we did. We did do it. And it was just a miracle. It was just a miracle. I mean, she was working on her computer like 17 hours a day, and I was in stuffing envelopes. That's all she let me do is stuff envelopes and put the stamps on them. But, I mean, it was the point is it was Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. If I weren't sober and if I weren't an Alcoholics Anonymous, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And it's just, again, the people that God has put in my life. You know, I found out two weeks before I took over the company that my lawyer is in AA. And, you know, I mean, and I didn't even know that at the time. At the time, I had hired him like a year and a half before, and um, I didn't even know it. But he is, you know, and he's a great lawyer. He's a great lawyer. As a matter of fact, we were talking tonight before we ca- I came down here that, you know, we were just talking about that. And he's helped some of my friends in AA, you know, that are going through certain things. He, they'll just call him and he'll give them direction or find them a lawyer or whatever, you know. And that's all because of this program. And 
I am so grateful to be sober today. I'm so grateful to be here. I hope you all have a wonderful conference. I don't know if Ellen is here yet or not, but I believe she's speaking tomorrow. And I have heard her, and she's our Al-Anon speaker, and she is absolutely fabulous. I want to encourage all of you to come, if you can. Does she speak at 9 in the morning? I mean, she is such a treat. You will really enjoy her. And again, I want to thank Earl for asking me to speak, Debbie for introducing me, and thank you all for being here and listening to my story. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.